Good morning. Oh, goodness, excuse me. I am lost among papers. Good morning. This is Maura Zimmerman. Maura Z, Faithful Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. And uh, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for your big book study. My name is Maura Z, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, January 5th, 2018. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 12, paragraph 5. We'll be reading through two paragraphs, ending at the top of page 13. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Marion H., 12 Traditions, Matt M., first reader, Katie G., second reader, Julie R., and the reference numbers. For yesterday, 7 a.m. Eastern Meeting, 10883, 10,883. And for the 10 a.m., it's 10,885, 10885. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, religious or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA SIF tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Marion H., would you please read the 12 steps? Marion H., do I want to unmute? Good morning. This is Marian H. Good morning, everyone. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made it a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of characters. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him. 
praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overreaders and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. And I pass. Thank you, Marion H. Matt M., would you please read the 12, 12 traditions for us, please? Thank you. Good morning, Maura. This is Matt M. Here are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself on our group conscience. Our leaders are our trusted servants and do not govern. Three, the only requirement for only membership is a desire to stop eating, possibly. Four, each group should be autonomous except the matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive or eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group will never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, ovaries anonymous should remain forever not professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA and such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, ovaries anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the only name will never be drawn to public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions. Everyone around us to place principles before personality. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the person speaking should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 12 in Bill's story. We'll be reading the fifth paragraph, starting thus was I convinced, through two paragraphs, ending on the top of 13 with how blind I had been. And Katie G., would you get us started, please? Good morning, Ms. Mora. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston. Thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. At long last, I saw, I felt, I believed, <clears throat> Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. The real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. 
But soon the, present, the, the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And so it has been ever since how blind I had been. Okay, let me just get my timer going. What a beautiful paragraph. Um, yeah, for me, there, had, there were many moments um, during my active um, addiction um, period where I had wanted God. I had really wanted God. And what a beautiful idea, right? Like, all I need to do is want God enough right to 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 set aside my pride and my prejudice so my pride being that exaggerated self-esteem that i know what's best my prejudice all my old ideas and then all of a sudden this new world can come into view you know as the result for me of doing the steps that's the only way i get rid of that but then you know that gets destroyed and what does it get destroyed i love worldly clamors so worldly clamors is noisy shouting and the dictionary defines it as children at play i mean what a perfect way to describe my selfishness my self-seeking my dishonesty and my fear like i want this god give this to me it's not fair i don't want to feel you know i've been talking to a lot of people coming out of relapse it's too hard katie i don't want to feel right all these worldly clamors within myself so i'm not comfortable right and so then i go back to me i go back to my what i think is best for me me getting comfortable and unfortunately you know my my solution to my life until i did the steps was food with anorexia with bulimia um but I love this idea that I just need that humble willingness and that the presence of God is with me. Um, and that, frankly, worldly clamors, that noisy shouting, those little kids inside me, they can come up now. Like, yes, I am a recovered woman today, and I don't want the food, and I don't want the anorexia, and I don't need to be the thinnest woman in the in the room, right? But I can get blind, which is having no regard to rational discrimination. Like, I cannot differentiate the truth from the false. When? When I'm getting blocked by worldly clamors, by selfishness, dishonesty, self-centeredness, and fear, which is why this is a 12-step program. You know, a lot of people talk about, like, how they're going to turn their will and their life over to the care of God in step three, and they have this great idea of God in step two. And, you know, what I was taught is I don't need to define God. In fact, thank God I don't sit there defining God, because if God is big enough for me to, to define, then he's not big enough, right? And, uh, and the actions of steps of step three is taking steps four through nine. So thank God I'll just close with this, is that those, that noisy shouting is less for me today but it continues to be present and it continues to get um, turned over to God when I live in the 12 steps. And it's a privilege to be with all of you today. And with that, I do pass. Thank you so much, Katie G. And now we'll open it up. And if you would please um, just give me your name one time and I'll repeat it as soon as I hear it. So who would you yeah, I heard Nessa R. Did I hear Nessa R? Yes, Nessa no, R. Else. Yes, and I did Barbara. hear Kelly T. I got you, Barbara. Thank you. Somebody G. Joanne M. Kelly T. Penny G. Joanne M. I got you, Rowan. Elizabeth D. 
Elizabeth D. Okay, let's let's go with that for now. I'll tell you who I have. Whew. Okay, uh, Barbara E. Nessa R. Penny G. I hope. Rowan M. Elizabeth D. Barbara E. Please go ahead. Thank you. Can I be heard? Yes. Yes, we can hear now, you. May I? Yes. Oh, wonderful. I didn't know I could be heard. Great. Thank you so much, uh, Maura, for your work today and for everyone else. Well, in the paragraph, the real significance of Winchester, uh, his experience, Bill's experience at Winchester Cathedral is mentioned three times. He had needed and wanted God. Me too. I had needed and wanted God. I wanted to listen with the inner ear of my heart. I wanted it to go from my mind to my heart, not from my mind, just solely from my uh, mind. I am empirically of nature. I can't see it, touch it, feel it. It's not there. And yet it is. It is true. And I love page 567, which made me feel comfort and a part of. That's the appendix to, yet it is true, the impression, and I'm paraphrasing, the impression that a religious experience must be in the nature of a sudden and spectacular upheaval. That did not happen to me. And happily, Appendix 2 goes on to say that for a lot of people, that conclusion is erroneous, that it was a slow building up over time of a God consciousness. I think I, I always, always knew there was a power outside myself, but I always thought it was in my refrigerator or in my pantry. It was the, the sweets the savories, the compulsive to overeat, the compulsion to be in control. I needed to find a God. It could be a doorknob. It could be absolutely anything at all. All I had to know is I'm not God. There's something out there bigger than me. And I believe that's what Bill experienced and mentioned three times, as I said. It's an awakening for me, an unlocking of the door. I need to take that recovery shower every single day. And for me, alone perhaps, to say the set-aside prayer. And I make it up myself every day. It's not just rote. Please, God, help me to set aside everything I think I know about you and my broken self and the program and help me to avoid being controlling and impatient and more self, not, not self-centered, I misspoke, other-centered. I love speaking to people from around the world. It gives me such pleasure. And last night when I was rereading the big book with a doctor's opinion with someone last Time. night, I saw things in it I've never seen before. I love doing this, and this program means everything. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Thank you, Barbara E. Nessa R., it's your turn, followed by Kelly T. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Uh, what were those worldly clamors? For me, was the if only, you know, if only I had more money, if only my boss was nice, if only I had a bigger house, or the whens, you know, when, um, when I get in, when I, when I, when I'm, when I have nice clothes, I'll be happy. When I'm thin, I will be happy. You know, all those things, those were the worldly clamors that kept blocking me from the solution. Even while in the rooms, I kept comparing myself to others and say, you know what, like, no, they have such an easy life. That's why they're thin or that's why they get it. You know, because they have the big house. Um, that's why they can do it because you know, they have the pretty clothes or whatever because they take the nice vacation. And that kept blocking me even in the rooms. You know, how blind had I been? But my eyes were opened up when I finally met somebody whom the problem had been solved. Uh, somebody who had, I would say, um, not a dissimilar life from me, but, you know, also beset with, with challenges. And uh, she was not only in a normal body, which of course is the first thing that attracts one when we come here um, into these rooms totally beaten and humiliated and with, you know, um, tens and hundreds of extra pounds on. She was in a normal body, but it was her countenance, you know, her lightness. She was happy. She smiled. And not a, not a, not a forced smile, but like a genuine smile, the, the look of tranquility and equanimity in her, in her eyes. And, you know, when she told me of her challenges, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that this kind of person could have these kind of challenges. I thought that only people with no challenges um, could be this way. You know, I don't know. I was living in La La Land, but she opened my eyes to the possibility, to the possibility that if it had happened for her, it would happen for me. And I was also struggling with the fact that, you know, well, God is too busy. He, he, he doesn't have time for my, for my little Michigas. And, um, you know, she, she showed me if, if God can do that for her, then she can do it for me too. And all I have to do, all I have to do is replicate exactly what she did. If I wanted what she had, I had to do what she did. And I did, um, um, after, uh, after a little while, I did exactly what she told me. And, uh, and I recovered. And by the grace of God, now I have what she has. Not a life free of challenges, but a way of living um, that doesn't require me to overeat in order to get through it. Um, and I can be happy and content regard, regardless and despite or in spite of my challenges. Um, and uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Kelly T., it is your turn. Hi, this is Kelly T. from New York City. Um, thank you so much for your service. Um, well, I just really love um, the part um, scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. Um, I grew up in a Catholic um, household, so it was really hard um, to find that higher power when I was in program because I... I was full of anger towards that God I grew up, the one that punished me. So I had a really hard time. It took me um, almost a year to find that higher power, to hear higher power's voice, the kind voice, the non-judgmental voice, the one who actually would get me through um, 
through recovery. And it's it just such a blessing to um, read Pride and Prejudice because I have so much pride and prejudice thinking that I could be God, that I can um, recover from the disease on my own. I don't need God kind of thing. It took, it took me a really long time, and I had to fall so many times and let go of that pride and ego that I had because that was killing me. That character defect was killing me. And I also like um, how blind had I had been because um, I believed, because I was raised that it was only one God, I did not realize that there was more than one. Everybody has their own conception of God. I had to find my own God, my own, um, I had to find my own voice, inner voice that would get me through the steps, that would find me recovery. And it was only until I let go of my ego and humble myself to the program that I was able to find that peace, that serenity, and that, and hear my higher power, the real higher power for me to get through um, recovery. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Kelly T. Rowan M., it is your turn, followed by Elizabeth D. Hi, my name is Rowan M. I'm calling from New York. Very grateful to be on the line. I really love this reading. Um, it really talks about Bill giving in to the solution, giving in to the fact that there is a power greater than himself, that he is not God. He's not running the show. He can't run the show. There is a power greater than himself. He's taking it in. He's feeling this power around him. He, he says, I felt, I believed. I saw, I felt, I believed. When I read that, it's like I have to take a deep breath. And like it's like I really see this man. I visualize this man who's, really taking in this higher power around him who just couldn't really grasp this concept prior to this moment. And it's like, she says, scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. He's, he had these lenses, these walls blocking him before. And now it's falling, it's shattering. And he's looking at the world with new eyes and he can see things differently and there's a new lightness about him he's he's in the sunlight of the spirit he he has this willingness he has this humbleness they keep using the word humbleness humble and willing and he's willing to have god with him in that moment He's not alone. He's not the director. He's not running the show. And he's, you know, to take that, to make that surrender, it's a very powerful thing, and it took me a very long time. And it wasn't easy for me because I always want things my way and I want things to go my way and have my plans and my ideas come to fruition. But to, it's almost like I can picture myself like bowing my, not like I'm bowing to something, but it's like putting my head down, my hands up in the air. It's like, all right, 
I'm out of ideas. I don't know what's best for me. I need something outside of myself, bigger than myself, a power greater than myself. And here's Bill. He's like, I have God with me now. I'm not doing this alone. This man who always did things his way, who always had his ego running the show, and it's just amazing that he's finally at a point where he doesn't need to do things alone, where he's okay with having God with him. And that's a beautiful thing. And thank you so much for letting me share. And thank you for your service with that all past. Thank you, Rowanne M. Elizabeth D., it is your turn. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your service. My name is Elizabeth D. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in the Boston area. Um, I love these two paragraphs. Um, the, the line that, that um, jumps out at me most is how blind I had been. Oh my gosh, I sure know how that feels. Looking back, um, when I was, uh, I've been in OA for um, 30, this year it'll be 30 years. Um, and a couple of decades ago, I um, I got myself into OA and, to, and, and got myself, in, with the help of a higher power, completely and entirely abstinent. And had a sponsor at the time who... Um, encouraged me strongly to work the steps one after another in sequence and I did that I did I did the steps in entire abstinence um, over the course of six to six to eight years from um, I started step one and when I got to step 12 then I started step one again and I had during those years a spiritual awakening like nothing I'd ever had before Um, and it was exactly like it said in page 11 Um, in Bill's story where he says then he had in effect been raised from the dead suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known and that is what happened to me during those years and then um, uh, you know my life got so good and so much better and so and I and I I realized that the most important relationship in my life was the relationship that I had with my higher power and I was living um, life with a God consciousness and growing. And there were challenges, but I was growing and I was, impro- I was, everything in my life was improving, not to mention the fact I was in a thin body after years of trying to diet. Um, so um, finally, um, uh, I let that all go. And over the course of 10 years, I became blind. The disease took over, the worldly clamors took over, and I became blind for 10 years. And I was in OA, in and out of OA, working the tools, but I didn't think that I needed to work the steps. And that is what denial is for me, is that blindness. Today is different. Today, um, since finding this way of working the 12 steps in a vision for you. Um, I am, my, my feet have grasped my new soil and I am no longer blind and I am uh, living and, and, and have that relationship with my higher power that, um, hold on. Time. Thank you. 
And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth C. Okay. Who else would like to share? Again, let me just say, we are on page 12, starting with the fifth paragraph. Thus was I convinced. We read through two paragraphs, ending at the top of 13, with how blind I had been. And who is here to share? One time, Virginia B. Larry. Did I hear Virginia? Did I hear Rita any Virginia? K. Yes, oh, you did. Didn't I heard Larry. Kim G. Kim G. Reva P. Reva Denise. P. Oh. Did I hear a Denise? Yes. Okay. All right. Woo, doggies. <laughs> okay. I have a list here. I hope we can get through everybody. Here's who I have. Lisa B., Virginia, Larry K., Kim G., Reva P., Denise, Leia M., Janice P. M. So if you would, when you please um, come on to share, give us your, make sure you give me your last initial. Lisa B., please get us started. Well, good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you for your courageous service and being up there at, um, at the bat <laughs> doing this. Um, there's so much in this reading, and um, you know, I pray always that God would speak through me, that I would be useful to others um, in my share. So pride and prejudice. Pride, feeling um, deep pleasure or satisfaction from my own achievements. And he's talking about how those scales of pride fell from his eyes. And, you know, when I, when I saw that I am nothing without my higher power, um, it began to shift for me. But that pride can come back on a daily basis. And when I start to take credit for anything, anything in my life, um, I'm really setting myself up for a fall. Um, prejudice, preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. And, you know, I can identify with that word because one of my dishonesties is I think I'm a mind reader. I think I know what other people are thinking or what their motives are or what they're doing. And I'm thinking everything is all about me, you know, and that's why the steps are so powerful. And that's why this book tells me that the worst aspect of this illness is actually my mind, you know. And then um, a new world came into view the word new means not existing before, made, discovered, recently, now, for the first time. You know, I'm living in that new world. And the, the feeling that comes to my mind with that line is hard-hearted. I lived my whole life hard-hearted. I was terrified that if I let the softness of my heart be exposed, that I would not survive, that I could not survive. So these steps have softened my heart. And it's allowed my higher power that's always been there to be felt. And that's another word that came to my mind. And it's not in the reading, but the essence is there. And the word is perceive. You know, when he's talking about the scales falling from his eyes, I have found for me my journey with these steps, and every day it's a journey I'll never arrive, is I need to perceive, truly perceive, not only see, but I need to perceive, which means become aware, conscious, come to realize, come to comp comprehend. And again, my heart, 
these steps need to be felt and lived in my heart, you know. And then the other thing that came to my mind is world, which means sphere or realm. You know, I have a whole new sphere around me. It's a God sphere. It really is, and it can be felt by others. And I can make a difference today. I am uniquely qualified to help another compulsive overeater because of this illness. It's such a gift. It is such a gift to be able to carry that, but not only to the compulsive overeaters, but to my family, the people around me, and praying each day, how can I be useful? How can I be of service? And it makes me sound like a goody two-shoes, you know, and I'm not. It's just that my life depends on being other-focused because I'm addicted to myself, and it's a bottomless pit. So I'm so grateful for these steps, and I thank you again for your um, brave service. I pass. (laughs) Thank you, Lisa B., um, Virginia, would you please give us your last initial? Good morning. This is Virginia C. from New York. Um, when I really, uh, you know, I heard this paragraph and I read this paragraph, and it really just kind of spoke to me on just how my life has transformed with my relationship to my higher power. And, you know, the scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes and how blind I had been. Really, like, you know, if I look back over the last, you know, three or four years, you know, God has been, you know, taking me step by step into a closer communion with him, um, you know, from leading me into program to leading me in different types of spiritual work, leading me in new types of church, um, to, you know, so that if any of these things had happened in a different order, I would have been too jarred and too jaded to accept them, I, I think. But God has slowly taken me a little bit more, a little bit more, so that every step I take in, in in allowing him to enter my life in a new way is sort of preparing me for the next step so that I'm I'm hungry for it, you know. Um, it's, not, it's not something that just is so totally opposite of what I am thinking or feeling that it that I, I shut it out. God's been very gentle with me with my spiritual awakening. And um, you know, I can feel, you know, myself opening to him every day more and more and turning myself over to him and you know, I can giving myself complete trust in him. And and I had a great example of that, that just the other day. I'm I'm in a very, very unstable place in my life right now like every aspect of my life is undergoing transformation transition and um i'm starting i was going to a place to start some training for a new career path that i'm pursuing and i wasn't 100 percent sure i was in the right place and that it was actually the classes were happening that day and i got there and the place didn't look like what i expected it and i knocked on the door and there was no answer and i was like oh i drove all this way and I made a mistake, I should have waited and spoke with someone directly to make sure, not just registered online. And I was really like, oh, I messed up. And then I knocked on the door and no one answered. I turned around, walked back to my car, and right at my feet, I see just this wooden cross on a chain right there on the, on the sidewalk in the ice and snow. And I started to take one step and I stopped, and I reached down, I picked that up, and I knew in that moment that my higher power was with me, and my higher power was leading me to the right place, and he was saying, you are here because I brought you here, and this is where you are meant to be, 
I pick that up. I put that in my pocket where it's been ever since. And I went, thank you, I'll wrap it a second. I went back to my car. I called the the, the person reading, leading the course, and I said, is there a class going on? And he said, yeah, you're right out front in the white car. Come on in. And I started it, and it was fine because my higher power was with me. And I thank you for this program for opening my eyes so that I can be in a place where I can see his presence in my life. Thank you. Thank you, Virginia C. Larry K., it's your turn, followed by Kim G. Maura. Good morning, Larry. Maura. <laughs> it's Larry K., uh, recovered compulsive reader uh, from Chicago. I, I um, The worldly clamors. I had a sponsor. I had many sponsors. I had this one sponsor way back in the day. He was, he was terrific. And uh, he gave me a food plan, and I would call him every day. And we would talk, we would talk about the steps and we, we talked about God. He was really easy to talk to and um, just a tremendous guy. You would have liked him. I know you would have. He was a great guy and, and I would call him every day for, you know, for about a year. And, um, and like I said, we talked a lot about spirituality and God and things. Now we didn't work the steps. He, he couldn't give to me what he didn't have, and I certainly didn't have it. <laughs> I don't stand in judgment of him, right? I didn't have it to give back to him, right? And he didn't have it to give to me, but he gave me a lot of stuff. And um, and eventually later on, you know, I came to believe and um, that there was a power, that it was just possible. And, um, and, and eventually the pain got great enough, and I worked the steps. I didn't work the steps with him, but I, I worked the steps. Some um, years later, um, I remember talking to him, and uh, he he wasn't around too much anymore. And I remember just kind of reaching out to him and saying, "Hey, you know, where where you been?" and so forth. And he said, "Look, he goes, I you know, I'm back in the food, and I put all my weight back on." Now he was, you know, just to give you some visual, he was about 400 pounds when I met him. He looked, you know, he was in a normal sized body. He put all his weight back on. He said to me verbatim, "He said, Larry, you know." I, I, ju- I just feel such shame. You know, I, I can't come back. I, I, I don't. It's all these people. You know, thanks for reaching out. He goes, maybe I'll, I'll get to that point where I can, but I just feel too much shame. And I said, hey, well, you know, we welcome you back. I mean, this is, this is about love and compassion and, you know, you come back. He never did. I don't know if he's alive or dead today. I, and I say that. It sounds sensationalistic. You know, I don't know. He, he, he may be dead. He may be um, there was a lot of worldly clamors, you know, that can block us off. They did for Bill. I can identify in with that. Um, this is a killing disease. Now, it may not be for you, but it is a killing disease. I've seen, if you're around long enough, you will see people that, that die from this disease or they're still alive, but they're dead inside. That, 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 that for me was probably worse, being dead inside. By the grace of God, I came to believe and I did the work, the work, the work, the work imperfectly. And I got the result by the grace of God. I know, I know who gave me the result. You, you didn't give me the result. I love you, but you didn't give me the Time. result. You're human. God gave me the result. Thanks, Maura. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Kim G, it is your turn, followed by Reva P. Good morning, Mara. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. 
for a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. But, here comes the but, but soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. You know, I think this is a beautiful description of the difference between a spiritual awareness and a spiritual awakening. You know, what is worldly clamors? I remember a speaker once describing it. If you're not sure what worldly clamors are, think of a microchip was implanted in your head. And throughout the day on a megaphone, your thoughts are projected to the world. Ooh, that scared me. You know, that's what worldly clamor sounds like. You know, and even as a recovered woman, you know, I'm in bed this morning and I'm cuddling with my dogs, doing my step 11, step 11. I'm feeling some spiritual awareness. But tell me, in a couple hours when I walk out that door, those worldly clamors are going to come coming, coming in. So what does that mean? You know, you, you come to this a beautiful, healthy meeting like a vision for you and you're lifted up. You know, I'm personally a big podcast person. I, I hear certain AA speakers specifically. I get charged up. I go to a retreat. I get charged up. I speak with a sponsor. I get charged up. But I have to tell you, that's all human power, and it's insufficient. You know, I remember I had broken my ankle seven years ago, and I was going to physical therapy like three times a week, and I was seeing the same people. And I remember asking the physical therapist, I said, you know, I'm kind of confused. It seems like... A lot, these, some of these people that I'm, I'm seeing every week, they're not getting any better. And he kind of smiled at me and he said, well, Kim, you know, it's pretty obvious to me that between your visits, you're doing the homework at home. And it's pretty obvious to us that those, some of the people in here are not doing the homework between their physical therapy visits. Because my, my rehabilitation from my ankle injury was not dependent on the hour that I was in physical therapy three times a week. It was dependent on the work I did at home between those appointments. That's the same thing here. The question is, I want you to ponder today, what are you doing between the phone calls with your sponsor? What are you doing between the phone calls listening to Vision You for podcast? For those of you who are new or returning or in the middle of the steps, maybe you're even through the steps and you're trying to coast on a spiritual experience from last week, last month, last year. Ask yourself, are you doing the work between meetings? Because as wonderful as, as spiritual awarenesses are, they will not sustain us. And just like we talked about a couple days ago, my roots have to grasp new soil. I have to continue to grow in, effect, in understanding and effectiveness, or that mental twist will come back, which means I will eat again. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim Jean. Reva P., it is your turn, followed by Denise. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, similar to what was just shared, um, I am so struck by the difference between spiritual awareness and seeing the light and a spiritual awakening. And I can have a spiritual awareness in step two. I can have a need for a higher power uh, but I don't access any power unless I do all the steps between 2 and 11. And if I don't do the rest of the work, um, there's going to be a but. And I'm going to get blocked again. And when I get blocked, uh, food is the best idea I've ever had. Um, and I love um, this reference to worldly clamors, but they're mostly within myself. And the more I work this program, the more I am aware that external circumstances have nothing to do with my peace of mind. 
it's always what's going on inside my head because the clamor begins with faulty thinking. And when he talks about being blind, I've heard it said that this is a disease of perception. Everything is 180 degrees off um, because it goes through the lens of my disease. Um, And when I do the work and clear the channel so that I have access to this power um, and inspiration and clear thinking, being able to see things from a God point of view instead of my narrow, blocked um, disease point of view, um, everything changes. And it's so reassuring to know it doesn't matter. Like it says in somewhere in the big book, job or no job, spouse or no spouse. It doesn't matter what's going on. My serenity, peace of mind, happiness is all dependent on my thinking. And I don't change the thinking. I can't will myself into doing that. But I have to move. All I have to do is move from step two to the rest of the steps. And it's so simple. Um, And it's so easy to complicate it with worldly clamors, even messing up and complicating the steps. Just follow the instructions, and then I can get what other people who have recovered have gotten. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Denise, it's your turn, followed by Leah M. And Denise, would you give us the first initial of your last name? Uh, This is Denise C. from Georgia. A grateful recovering compulsive overeater. Uh, I thank you for allowing me to share this morning. I like the first. I love the first paragraph that talks about uh, humans are uh, when we concern that God is concerned with us as humans when we want Him enough. And I I know that when I came to the program, I wanted Him enough. And it says, at last, I saw, I felt, I believed. I always believed in a higher power, but since coming to old age, I have a different relationship with my higher power. He's now a friend of mine who looks after me, takes care of all of my needs. All before, I thought he was a higher power that only took care of great needs and the small things I could handle myself. But now I know that my higher power is someone that wants all of me, and I am truly willing now to give him all of me, the big and the little things. It's as scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes, a new world opened to me, and that's what OA has done for me. It has opened a new world for me in my personal life and especially in my relationship with my higher power that I call God. I am in love with God. I love what he's doing for me. I love what he's doing through me. I have learned that each morning when I get up, I no longer ask for my will. I ask for God's will in my life. I ask that he use me so that I can touch someone in this program who's in the room, outside the room, and who's suffering from um, compulsive overeating. And I've learned that every day there's an opportunity to be used by God because I am truly no longer blind. I now see the way of OA, and I know that it's the way that I can live. My second, my moment, my minute, my hour, my one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Denise C. 
Leah M., it is your turn, followed by Janice P.M. Thank you very much. Uh, Thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. I mean, I think, you know, especially on a phone line that, uh, you know, has uh, this many people on it, it's certainly a message of hope and possibility uh, to know that uh, whatever our race, creed, or color, you know, we're the children of a living creator, and we can form this relationship if we're willing and honest enough to try. You know, I think that's a message of hope and possibility that no matter where you are, because this meeting tends to wrap the globe, uh, who you are, what your background is, uh, this program of recovery is for you if you, uh, well, if you want him enough, but that's not enough. To want him enough is not enough. At least that's my experience. I have to do more than want him enough. It's not enough to just want him. There's lots of things I want. You know, I want to be in the Caribbean right now, uh, perhaps, uh, but that's not going to get me there. You know, the whole program of recovery means that I need to seek. God could and would if he were sought. So seeking, you know, I have to dethrone my intellect through the program of recovery in favor of God, dethrone my intellect in favor of God, because there's a reality higher than my intellect, more elevated my intellect, but I can't do it on my own because a sick mind can't heal a sick mind. So wanting is not going to get me there. (laughs) Wanting just ain't enough. Wishing just ain't, ain't enough. Needing it just ain't enough. I have a responsibility to invite God in. That responsibility in recovery is to take actions because those are my demonstrations of my wanting. Those are demonstrations of my willingness. I have a responsibility. That responsibility is to implement these 12 steps because those worldly clamors that have blocked this God within me has to be dismantled. And that's what the steps are all about. You know, steps four through seven dismantle that Hollywood storefront, that ego uh, that has been built over the years of, you know, my my desperate uh, attempts to be comfortable in this world. The program of recovery will give me that new vision. It says a new world came into view. Yes, I needed a new vision. No longer God's vision. I need I mean, no longer Leia's vision. I need God's vision. I need God's vision, and I get that through the implementation, the work, and the responsibility of the 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leia M. Janice P.M., it is your turn. Well, thank you, um, my dear Mara, and uh, my name is Janice P.M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, I'm sitting here and, um, you know, I've been around a long time, like a lot of the wonderful shares, and hearing all the miracles, you know, as a result of the steps. However, I want to warn the new people, because I was just like, I mean, I, I think this is how we think, that this happens at this step, step two. <laughs> no, this does not happen to us at step two. This is the process 
that helps. Oh, I didn't even put my timer on. Um, this is the process to begin these the results of the miracles. This is only step two, and it's a result. Step two is a result of step one with Bill. See, of course, now, you know, he's gone through the process, so he's writing this in hindsight, which means, okay, he took step one. He found he was powerless. Now he's going to be, now he's convinced. How is he convinced? Did uh, Evie convince him? No. Did his mind convince him? Well, perhaps. His mind convinced him that he couldn't do it himself. That's his pride. He had to get rid of old ideas. This is only a beginning. Only a beginning. If this step doesn't say, now you let God, now you're all set, because we're not. We're not. Because this step goes into the next step, which is the action step, to do the following steps. So I, I want to make it clear for myself, too, that, you know, I thought I was pretty good because I had step two. Oh, I had a God in my life. But like it was said so eloquently that, you know, I wanted a, a, a God. I wanted somebody to, to get me, you know, recovered. Um, and I needed, that was the biggest thing, that I really needed somebody because I came and I surrendered to the fact that, you know what, I can't do this anymore. There's nothing I can do. I tried everything. So it's a matter of choosing and being willing. Willing and being humble that I cannot do this. There has to be a power greater than myself. Then that power will, was revealed to me through the actions and implementations of these 12 steps. So, you know, this doesn't happen in step two. It's step two. I'm beginning to surrender to win. I'm beginning to surrender not to my disease, not to my self-will run riot, but perhaps to a power. I really, you know, he doesn't really know yet. He's going to choose, you know, hopefully one day at a time. But um, at least he knows that his conceit and his arrogance, which is his pride, and his opinions. Oh, good. Okay. Um, is not the answer for just now. So we're going to see what happens. And with that, the pain of the food will be a convincing. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice PM. Um, I think we have about a minute if there's someone that has a burning desire and has not shared in a while, perhaps, or hasn't shared at all. That's a Apology. Um, I heard somebody M first. Say again. Hello. Someone wanted me to share. I heard three, but I couldn't hear anything discerned. Diane B. Diane B. Go ahead. You have about forty-five seconds to a minute. Okay, real quick. Um, I like to just connect with someone to take me through the doctor's opinion. I'm anorectic. I can't eat, so I can't do a food plan, but I'd like to have somebody to take me through the doctor's opinion. Diane, there'll be time at the end of the meeting if you want to leave your phone number. Okay, 
Thank you. I'm sorry. That's okay. Okay. Well, with that, it is now 7.55, and it's time to close the meeting. Thank you to everyone who shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Today's share ID is 10,888-10888. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Julie, would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Maura. This is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.